Proverbs chapter 1130. Proverbs chapter 1130. It says the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. One of the things I've realized is that in my preaching, I've focused a lot on the benefits of following Jesus in this life. Perhaps some would say, well, pastor, you focused a little too much. And maybe perhaps we've gotten out of balance. Perhaps we've forgotten the eternal perspective. Now remind me to come back to that in the end. The eternal perspective. Everybody say eternal perspective. But in my defense, and I'm not trying to defend myself, but the Bible does speak of the blessings that come from serving the Lord and the curses that are associated with rejecting God in his ways. As the Lord instructed Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and as we, so, so the, the Bible says that the person who wins souls is wise. He's prudent. Okay? The person who wins souls is a wise person. He's wise. When we want to win someone to Jesus, when we care about people, we think about, well, why would I want to bring someone to Jesus? Why would I want to have my family members serve the Lord? Why would I want that neighbor down the street to serve the Lord? And, and as I said, we focused a lot on this idea of the temporal. But listen to what the word says in Deuteronomy 28. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you. If you obey the Lord your God, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the people on the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground and the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hands. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You'll always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give to you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Now, this is the word of God. It's either true or it's a lie. I choose to to believe that it's the truth. Now it also says this. Let's not forget the curses that come when a man or a woman chooses to reject 
the Lord. Why do I want to win souls? I want people to be blessed. I want the fruit of their womb to be blessed. I want their children to be blessed. I want their businesses to be blessed. I want their family to be blessed. Why do we want to win people to Christ? In this life, we don't want people to come under the curse. Listen, this is what it says. However, just as God promised, if you obey me, he promised Israel, if you obey me and walk in my ways, I'm going to bless you. He also made this promise to him too. If you do not obey me, if you reject me, you will come under the consequences of rejecting the Lord are a curse, coming under a curse. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving to you today, all these curses will come on you and will overtake you. Just like you'll be blessed in the country and the city, (laughs) you'll be cursed in the city and you'll be cursed in the country. Your baskets and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of the land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. Even your dogs and cats are going to be cursed. I, don't, I, I want your dogs and cats to be okay. You'll be cursed when you come in, and you'll be cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hands to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. Why do we want to win souls for Jesus? Because unless you're some kind of weirdo, you want to see people around you. You want to see your family. You want to see your friends. You want to see your neighbors blessed. You want them to have a good life. You want to help people avoid pain. Now, I have some things here that I wrote down. If I follow the Lord, when I say I, I mean me, I mean my family, and I mean you, and I mean your family. So this is not just me. If I follow the Lord and his ways, and I teach my children to follow him in his ways, I don't have to worry about many of the problems that other people have to deal with. I don't ever have to worry about getting a DUI. I will never have the police arrest me for possession with intent to deliver. They can search my car anytime they want. Anytime they want. Hey, go ahead. They can search my, my car, my home. You'll never hear about me getting in a fight at the local bar, getting ripped off in a drug deal. You'll never hear about me having to shoot someone in self-defense at the local strip club. I will not spend a penny for a de- defense attorney or a bail bondsman to get me out of jail. You won't see me at the, at the pharmacist getting a prescription to treat a sexually transmitted disease if I follow the Lord and obey Him with all of my heart. If I follow the Lord and His ways, I'll have money to pay my bills. And on top of that, I'll have money to pay my tithes, to give offerings, and to help and bless other people. Because I will be working diligently on my job as unto the Lord. I'll be respecting those in authority over me. I will not be gossiping. I will not be causing conflict. I won't be cheating, stealing, or lying on my job. I'm going to go above and beyond for my employer. I will be known as a second miler. I'm going to have a good attitude. 
I'm going to have the right spirit. I'm going to have a good reputation. There will always be a place to work for someone like me if I follow the Lord and obey him with all of my heart. If I follow the Lord and his ways, the money that I make on that job might not be as much as you make. But I promise you in the end, it's going to go further because I understand it, not just my money, but my entire life belongs to the Lord. I'm simply a steward who must give an account of what he has entrusted to me. It all belongs to him. I'll learn to be wise in my dealings. I will seek the Lord for guidance. I will learn to be content and satisfied with what he has given me. On top of that, none of my resources are going to be lost at the track or at the casino. No money will be spent on a mistress or pornography. If I follow the Lord, I'll have peace because his word says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee for he trusteth in thee. Yeah, in some ways it might be a little selfish to want to have a blessed life here. And I believe if I follow the Lord and if you follow the Lord and if our kids follow the Lord, they have a whole lot better of having a fulfilled and satisfied life. They have a whole lot better chance of experiencing this blessed life, avoiding the painful situations that sin causes. Now, what did I ask you to remind me about at the end? Oh, yeah, the eternal perspective. There's two parts of that eternal perspective I want to mention. The first one is kind of summarized in an old song that I've asked Crystal to help me with. Why don't you stand up with me? Crystal's going to lead us in a song. I want you to sing. Just listen. You'll know the words when we started. There is
There's going to be a day coming when every trouble and every trial, those weary bodies, the times when your mind is tired, the times when you've gone through the difficult times, there's going to be a day when you're going to be saying it was worth it all. That's the first part of the eternal perspective, that it will have been worth it all. Everything that you sacrificed Everything that you went through, every difficult moment, every painful experience, it'll be over. The Lord will wipe away those tears from your eye and you'll say, oh man, it was worth it. I promise you, you will never regret serving and following Jesus on that day. You'll never regret it. There's another part of the eternal perspective. If the Bible is true, and we believe that it is, This is part of the eternal perspective that people don't like to hear about, but it's the reality. If a man or a woman dies in their sin, if their name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says that they will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. They will be tormented forever and forever. There will never be any chance of peace, of joy, of hope. Just sheer terror and torture forever and ever. That's the eternal perspective. Now I'm going to tell you the truth. The vast majority of people who attend church in America do not believe in hell. You may say, oh, pastor, no, no, they do. No, they don't. Because if they did, they would not be able to take such a passive approach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. That should probably be quoted and written in a book. If people really believed in the reality of hell, you would not be able to take a passive approach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news. The gospel is this, that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your sin is, you can be forgiven. You can have peace with God. You can spend eternity with Jesus Christ. People would not be able to sit idly by knowing that your children are living in sin and that they are on their way. When someone's living in sin, they are on their way to hell. Some of you say, how dare you say that? How dare you judge them? Friend, God's word has already judged them. This isn't me judging them. His word has already declared judgment upon them. How dare you lie to them? 
How dare you feed them a false sense of security that you can live like the devil all week and think you're going to go to heaven. Listen to the word of God. His word has already passed judgment. Listen. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And here's the next phrase. Do not be deceived. Why did he say that? Because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be deceived. The enemy is trying to to lull people asleep. Listen to what he says. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Revelations 21 says, But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's the truth. This is the eternal perspective that we've lost sight of. Men and women are running full speed ahead towards hell, and not enough people are actively involved in trying to stop them. That that one needs to be repeated again. This is the eternal perspective that the church has lost sight of. Men and women are running, people all around us are running full speed, full speed towards hell. And not enough people are trying to stop them, to trip them, to block them. But that's changing. As a church, we're entering into a new season. It's a harvest time. This is prophetic for you, my friend. It is a harvest time. We are moving into a harvest time. John 14, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Listen, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus is saying, what satisfies me is to do the will of my Father and finish his work. One of the reasons why we have you doing your devotions, and I hope that you're doing your devotions if you've been slacking, to step it up. Because in your devotions, Jesus is speaking to you. And Jesus is saying, this is what he's saying. My will, what satisfies me is to do the will of my father and finish his work. And what's going to satisfy you is to do the will of the father and to finish his work. Don't put it off saying now's not the time. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe unto harvest. And this is what he says. You're going to reap where you did not work. Others have done the hard work, and you're going to reap the benefits. I believe prophetically that that's the place that Lighthouse Assembly of God is right now. 
Friend, we've sown a lot of seeds over the years. We've done a lot of work over the years. The ground has been prepared. The seeds have been planted and watered. And now it's harvest time. There's others who have sown the seeds. There's others who've done the work. But God is calling us to a season of harvest. It's time for the reapers to go forth and simply bring in the harvest. You're going to reap what you've not sown. Others have done the work, but we're all going to rejoice together at this harvest of souls. And God has called each and every one of us to be soul winners. I don't mean to be offensive, but I don't want this thing. Well, my brother, he accepted the Lord when he was seven. And uh, he's lived like the devil ever since, but I think he's going to make it. Let me tell you the truth about your brother. He's not going to make it. Okay. The Bible says, if you live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's very clear. There would not be so many warnings about how we live if you can say a prayer when, in, when you're three years old and then just live like the devil the rest of your life and reject God. Your brother, he's headed to hell and somebody needs to tell him. And I'm so glad that God brought you to this church with a pastor who will tell you the truth that your brother needs to get saved. You don't stand at the judgment and have him say, why didn't you tell me? We're going to tell people. You're going to intervene in their lives. I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to pray with you for your friends. Our staff is going to pray with you for your friends, for your children. So you're not doing this alone. We're going to do this together. We're going to have people praying specifically for the people in your life. If you have an ounce of concern, If you have an ounce of a concern about their eternal state, that if they died, if Jesus came back at this moment, that you are concerned where they would be, I'm going to ask you to take a moment and I'm going to ask you to write down their names, one one for you and one for me, the same four names on both sides. I'm going to ask you to keep one and in a little bit, I'm going to open up the altars And I'm going to ask you to write down the four. And then we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you to step out of your pew. To step out of your pew and to bring those people who you love, who you care about. I'm going to ask you to bring them to the altar. Gently lay the names of your people on the altar symbolically because you're bringing them to the Lord. Because you can't save anybody. I can't save anybody, but the Holy Spirit's at work. And when you step out of your pew and you come up here and you lay them down here and you just tell the Lord, Lord, this is you and me. This is why we have you fasting as well, because there's some spiritual bondage that's only going to be broken when people fast and pray. Okay, it takes fasting and prayer. We're entering into a covenant with God. You're entering into a covenant between you and God. God, you and I are partners in this. I'm entering into a covenant with you. I'm saying to you, we're going to pray for your family. We're going to pray for them. We're going to take your list and we're going to say the names of your family members and friends. We're going to say, Lord, bless Amy's nephew. Bless, Lord, bring, and we're going to say the names of those people and we're going to bring them before the Lord. We're going to come into agreement together that God is going to do a miracle in their lives and that he's going to save them. We're going to pray for souls and we're going to watch what God does. This is a sacred time with you and God. You let him lead you 
to who you're to pray for. But Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as we consider the names and the people, the people who you love, God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad somebody prayed for me. I'm so glad. I know I wouldn't be alive, Lord, if someone hadn't prayed for me. I know where I'd be. I know what my life would have been like if somebody hadn't prayed. I'm just so thankful. And now, Lord, I pray that as so many people are running headlong into hell, that we get some people out there. Just try to redirect them. Try to stop them. Try to warn them, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you're going to do that. I thank you that we're going to see that as we pray for the lost, we start to have your heart. We start to have your mind, and we start to have what's important to you. So, Father, would you bring these prayers, these miracles, whether they be a backslidden child, a backslidden spouse, whether it be a brother, a sister, a father, a friend. We pray that you would bring them into the kingdom of God in a great harvest of souls. And we'll thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name.